I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show, Dr. Connors, and I look forward to hearing about your cancer clinic. Now, first, you believe that looking for the cause of cancer in your patients is important. Why is this so, and what tests do you use? Well, thank you for having me first, mm. uh, Carl. I appreciate it. Right. So um, there's always a cause to cancer. So cancer, as you know, is is one cell starting a rapid replication phase and reproducing more cells that are in a state of rapid replication. So something had to get in that cell and cause that to take place. Usually it's some sort of toxin or maybe a virus or fungus or something like that. Um, so looking for the cause is important because if, if you can come close to figuring that out and trying to treat that, then you're going to have a better chance of, of uh, preventing cancer in the first place or preventing its spread. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so that's that's an important piece for what we do. For instance, if you look at the research for stomach cancer, for say, mm-hmm. the statistics show that I think it's ninety some percent of stomach cancers caused by H. pylori, which is a bacteria that can reproduce strongly in the gut, can be part of our normal flora. It's not supposed to be present in the stomach because of the stomach acid helps keep that at bay. But when we have a decreased stomach acid, H. pylori can grow like crazy in the stomach. And once it gets into those cells that lie in the stomach, it can be, it is the number one cause of stomach cancer worldwide, according to the World Health Organization. Mm-hmm. So um, why don't we look for causes of cancer in other places and treat that? Where with stomach cancer, they typically do treat the H. pylori, but they tend to, and I'm talking about standard Mm-hmm. Medicine tends to ignore the cause of other cancers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you use the uh, cancer sensitivity test, or have you used it at any time? Uh, we don't. We have some patients that use cancer sensitivity testing um, uh, before they come to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we use kinesiology. We use genetic testing mm-hmm. to help to get to those pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we find that those are fairly successful for us, mm-hmm. uh, helping narrow down our answers. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to be perfect. Nothing's a perfect test. Even our gold standard tests aren't perfect, but you try your best to get to uh, what you think is going to be the best for the patient. Uh, Dr. Forsyth in uh, Reno, who did a lot with... Uh, alternative treatments, and he used the cancer sensitivity at one point, but he's backed off on it now. He says it's not as effective as they thought it was initially. And my uh, Right. I actually spoke um, to another colleague of ours that um, actually shared with me a couple of years ago that Dr. Forsyth actually stopped mm-hmm. using that test um, because he didn't think the accuracy was up to snuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Sapa in, uh, at the Acadia Clinic in Germany uh, is on my cancer board, and he said that he had stopped, u- or he'd never used it because he never thought that it was very effective. So, uh, Sure. 
it's something that at the time sounded really interesting and exciting, but I guess these things change. Well, part of the problem is is that I think part of the problems is that is that you you know what works in a person's body is different than what's going to work in a petri dish. Mm-hmm. So it's um, you know you hear you know on Facebook or something that X Y Z nutritional thing cures ninety seven kills ninety seven percent of cancer cells. Well, if you put bleach in a petri dish with cancer, it's going to kill all the cancer cells. But you can't drink bleach, so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, what works in your body doesn't always work in the uh, what works in the test tube doesn't always work in the body, so it's right. It's a little more complicated than that. And what bothers me sometimes on Facebook is that they take the animal studies or the lab studies and then start saying it kills cancer. Well, they it hasn't reached the point of being tested on humans yet. It's just been tested right. Rats, so right. You know, a mouse study doesn't always equate to a human study for sure. Right. Uh, you mentioned kinesiology testing in your diagnosing, and I thought that was interesting. Can you tell us a bit about that? So, kinesiology testing is a form of muscle testing um, that we do in our office. I've been doing it for thirty-five years. It isn't perfect, and it certainly is dependent upon the practitioner. So I would never defend all people who do kinesiology, mm-hmm. but uh, it's an art form that needs to be mastered, and some people are find themselves to be good at it, and some people really struggle with it. Um, we've been confident. Um, I believe it's a gift, and we've been confident that we've been successful with it. But again, it's there's human error in everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, it can help narrow things down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also included, I did a book recently to make money for my cancer foundation on preventing cancer. And I used uh, dreams as a diagnostic tool. Because in my case, oh, interesting. when uh, I had lung cancer uh, in 1974, I went to the doctor because I had a dream that told me to go to the doctor and have x-rays. And I've known yeah. other people that had dreams like this. So I feel that even though it's not accepted by traditional medicine, that there are those people that receive guidance through their dreams. So I include sure. that. Then uh, how are genetics related to cancer well, there isn't, um, there's very few cancers that have a specific genetic cause. Mm-hmm. However, uh, looking at a person's genetic pathways can really help point to helping a person gain health, whether they have cancer or anything. Mm-hmm. So there, there are tumor suppressor genes. Those are genes that we have in most of our cells that if a cell goes into rapid replication, quote-unquote cancer, the tumor suppressor genes kick on and help kill that cell. Mm-hmm. That's what your tumor suppressor genes are. And people can have defects in multiple tumor suppressor gene uh, systems and be more susceptible to getting cancer. So some familial cancers can be because familially you have inherited defects on specific tumor suppressor genes. Therefore, your risk of a certain type of cancer can go up. 
uh, that you inherit from your parents. But that still isn't the cause. Mm-hmm. We understand the definition of cancer is cell that goes into rapid replication. A defect in a tumor suppressor gene is not going to cause a cell to go into rapid replication. However, a defect in tumor suppressor genes can inhibit the body's normal defensive mechanism against a cell that does go into rapid replication. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it's a contributing factor to a person getting a diagnosis of cancer. Mm -hmm. So looking at those are important. There are also known tumor oncogenes, which are genes that if I have defects in this gene, it can actually increase my risk of cancer. Uh, and and their known supportive system. So let's say, let's use the example of curcumin, the active form of turmeric. Um, that is, multiple studies have been done on that to help interrupt oncogenes. So if a person has defects, mm-hmm. that oncogenes that increase their risk of cancer, using an intervention like curcumin can help um, decrease one's risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But beyond the tumor suppressor genes and the tumor oncogenes, it behooves us to look at other things like uh, genes that uh, control our detoxification pathways. Uh, so remember we said uh, cancer is rapidly replicating cells. What caused that in the first place? Well, it's something that got inside the cell uh, that interrupted that replication cycle at the nucleus and, and allowed rapid replication to take place. Well, well, how could that be? Well, it can be toxins that are not getting out of my body. So I could eat really well and try to eat organic and stay away from additives, colorings, you know, chemicals, mm-hmm. uh, toxicities. But regardless, we're all, we live in this world and we're exposed to uh, air pollutants and you know, chemicals, uh, you know, my shirt is not dyed with blueberries and there's carpeting on the floor and there's gasification of different chemicals that I'm breathing in. And my liver is working overdrive to try to get rid of all these toxins that I'm exposed to, even if I'm trying to eat a clean life, live a clean life. So these liver detox pathways have to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So... If you look at from a genetic standpoint, if I have defects on my cytochrome P450 detox pathways, I'm not going to be as fast of a detoxer as somebody who doesn't have defects on those pathways. So uh, I think it's beneficial to look at all those genes, as many as we know about at this time, and, and see how we could possibly better support the pathways that I have issues with. Mm-hmm. So that's what we try to do. Then how important is nutrition in your protocol? Well, nutrition is is extremely important. So if you so there when you look at somebody with cancer, cancer has to have a fuel source because this is rapidly replicating cells at a very high metabolic rate. It needs a fuel to continue to do that, to continue to make energy to do what it needs to do to grow. Uh, And uh, so then you have to look at, um, you try to cut off that fuel source. So cancer will typically 
be fed, will commonly be fed through glycolysis, through breakdown of sugar. Mm-hmm. So looking at a person with a diagnosis of cancer should instantly cut way back on their sugar intake, mm-hmm. uh, cut back on their carbohydrates. But also cancers can be fed through proteins, through uh, amino acids, methionine and, and glutamine and leucine. And so looking at cutting back on animal proteins typically is what we look at too. So uh, what we call a mixed diet. If I don't know, how do I know if my cancer is fed mainly through glycolysis or mainly through proteins? Well, you could you could experiment and go on a more ketogenic type diet mm-hmm. where you're eating typically eating a little bit more protein um, and see how my cancer growth rate is going or vice versa. We could go on a maybe a more juicy diet. So juicing might be a little bit higher in carbohydrates, but I'm going to go more vegan with my diet mm-hmm. um, and see how my cancer uh, grows. Now we test for that, but um, if you don't know, it might be more healthy to go on a more of a mixed diet, stay low carb, but also semi-vegan. Um, and uh, that tends to be good for a lot of people as well. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about nutrition and diet is is uh, dairy. Um, since uh, w- with cancer, most of our cancer patients, we take off dairy. Uh, try to get them off as much dairy as possible because you think of what... You know, dairy is to make, is to help a little baby grow to be an adult, right. whether it be a 60-pound cow into a 1,200-pound cow or a, a child into an adult. So it, it has a lot of factors that can stimulate growth rates. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to be feeding growth factors to someone who already has a growth factor problem that is cancer. Mm-hmm. So staying off dairy is a good idea as well. Mm-hmm. When I had lung cancer, uh, my doctor put me on a vegan diet, and uh, uh-huh. I stayed on that for two years. And it took two years before I was cleared. But I used all natural, holistic interventions, so I didn't do any chemo, radiation, or surgery. And... That was back 40, well, it would be 45 years, the 21st of this month, so. Wow, congratulations. And I never had a recurrence, so I think that what my doctor recommended spoke well of his practice. I think in many ways he was way ahead of his practice because some of the research for what he did came out five or six years ago. But the medical profession uh, closed him down. Uh, oh goodness gracious! Six years after I had treatment, so and the ketogenic, I have interviewed some people that have had a lot of success with that, and I know Dr. Esslinger in Reno uh, used at least when I talked with him last was using that in his treatment. Yeah. I just caution against mm-hmm. do thinking that one only one way is the right way. Right. Um, everybody's different. Your cancer might be different. So experimenting with different types of diets is the best way to go. That's what I think too. And Dr. Gonzalez, when he was alive, he used 
the two types that you know that were direct opposites one was for meat eaters and the other was for the vegetarian and that seemed to work and i know he yeah. said that the vegan was better for those who had lung cancer which is what i had and that's what i went on and right for breast cancer which is what susan summers had and 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 she went on that so i think that yeah that the variety is probably better than saying everyone has to do a certain thing. And also Dr. Isaacs mentioned when I talked with her, uh, and she's followed up, she worked with, as you know, Dr. Um, Gonzalez, but she says that they give some additional pancreatic enzymes that allows them to be a little more flexible with the diet than it was at the time that I right. treated yeah, I know Dr. Gonzalez and Dr. Isaacs, they do metabolic typing, which is something that you could do online, too. It's a series of, I don't know, 400 or 600 questions that you go through to help mm-hmm. decide what type of diet that you should be on. Um, that's a good way to, to help with your decision-making process as well. But typically, like lung cancer and colon cancers, they should be more likely that they're going to be on a more vegan-type diet. Uh, Brain cancer is going to be much more likely that a ketogenic diet is going to be better. So, uh, but doing a metabolic type diet is, is, or questionnaire can be helpful in determining that. And I agree with Dr. Gonzalez with enzymes. So um, doing a, a Dr. William Kelly approach with high dose enzymes is one way to go, but just by getting some digestive enzymes, um, in with each meal to help all your food digest better and then to do it um, off meal on an empty stomach to help it uh, to help you absorb those enzymes so it can help eat up the lining around the cancer could be really helpful in getting your immune system to it mm-hmm. uh, i use the wobi mogus but um uh-huh. they've been either discontinued or banned or something they're no longer available in this country so yeah but there's we use the u.s we kind of switched to the u.s enzymes now because they're a fermented enzyme oh. um, and we've had we've had better success with a lower dose i know dr gonzalez used to use the porcine enzymes that had a very high dose and sometimes it's person is really ill, it's hard for them to take 75 capsules of something a day. It can oh. be difficult to swallow. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, then, Dr. Connors, do you uh, recommend immune builders uh, to your patients? Oh, absolutely. That's a key piece because it's your immune system that ultimately has to do the job to kill the cancer. Um, so you you know by changing your diet you're helping your immune system and you're taking pressure off your immune system because you know a poor diet puts a lot of stress on your immune system Mm -hmm. you're Mm -hmm. you're firing an immune response against uh, antigens foodborne antigens so if you can calm that whole response down so your immune system can focus on killing the cancer that's essential Mm -hmm. but you have to you have to use um, immune boosting things we you could call them cancer uh, killing nutraceuticals uh, people call them natural chemotherapies but it's really just things that are going to help boost 
the, that person's immune system to help attack the cancer. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's, there's many different ones out there. Um, and again, we test for what's going to be best for the person so that they're not on too many things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then one of your interventions is the Rife machine. And how do you use uh-huh. this on patients, and how long does it usually take with the Rife machine? So the Rife machine is a is a therapy machine that helps. It's a light frequency generator, is what it is. And uh, with all our cancer patients, we send them home with their own Rife machine, programmed specifically for them and their cancer, and they use it at night. You can use it during the day, too, but part of our philosophy is I want a person to go back to living and get their mind off their cancer, Uh, and one of the things that can help that is let's make a big part of your treatment be done while you're sleeping. you got to sleep anyhow, Mm -hmm. so we program it for use at night, Uh, a little bit different program every night of the week, and then with their, their typical daily uh, uh, processes. It's time to go to bed. They open up the computer. They punch in the program and open it up. And it's Tuesday and they'll hit Tuesday and hit run and they'll close the computer up and let it go to sleep so they don't get the EMFs from that. And they're snuggling with the bulb next to them in bed while they sleep. And and how long do they use it? question everybody asks how long do I have to use this we just say just keep using it forever mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know you don't necessarily have to use it every night forever once you feel like you've kind of overcome your cancer but you, you always have cancer cells in you whether you have a diagnosis of cancer or not so you want to be constantly conscious of taking care of yourself and you have the Rife machine, continue to use it at night. It takes you 30 seconds to turn it on at night, keep using it. So we encourage people to continue using it. Mm-hmm. How So the Rife machine then is very important in your protocol since you send the patients home with it. It is. We've been using the Rife since the first time I ever saw a cancer patient uh, 20-some years ago. Um, and it's, it's partly because that's something I was introduced to when I was in school. Um, I was intrigued by the Rife machine. I, I don't know why. I know why now. I believe God put that on my heart. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I just thought, oh, I want to get a Rife machine so bad. And actually, in my practice, I was practicing chiropractor at the time. Mm-hmm. I had the Rife machine I wanted picked out, the picture of it, the brochure up in the wall, and I had talked to the company several times and just never felt like I had permission to pull the trigger on it. And uh, one of my patients came in, and she was uh, she was in her late 60s, retired. She came in to me and she goes, I have to talk to you right now. And I brought her in a back room. She goes, I found out I have breast cancer in both breasts. Uh, and they said, they, she said, if they don't, they told me if I don't do chemo and radiation, I have three months to live. Mm-hmm. And I literally just said, uh, you're telling me this, why? And she goes, no, I'm, you got to understand, I'm not going to do it. I nursed my friend through the chemo, and I'm convinced she died of the chemo. Mm-hmm. And it was five months ago. I'm not doing chemo. She said, if you can't help me, I'd just rather die. And that was just my, you know, those times like you had a dream to go to the doctor 
about your lung cancer. That was time I just felt like it was, you hear the Holy Spirit talk to you and to say, it's time, go get it. And I just said, Shar, just come back tomorrow. I'm going to go order a rife machine. Don't even ask me what it is. <laughs> I'm going to get it next day aired to me. And uh, so that was my start mm -hmm. in my journey of trying to help people with this diagnosis. And mm -hmm. she lived another 13 years and actually died of a heart attack. But oh. uh, so we've used the rife with everybody since then. And so I do think... I really think it's a key component because we've we've had patients um, that just refuse to change your diet, refuse to do anything else, mm -hmm. um, and they did you know lived way beyond what they were supposed to. Mm -hmm. So um, I really think it's a it's it's a key component. I think it works better if you couple it with diet and nutrition and mm -hmm. good supplements and good attitude and. Uh, it's a synergistic approach, as you know. Right, right. And uh, I think it's a wonderful uh, story about how you started using it. I, I like that. Um, and so you send the patients home with the Rife machine, and do you sell these to other people, or do you know reliable sources? Because like you, I've sort of wanted one for a long time, but... I know that there's a lot of them out there that aren't really reliable. And then there was something I read yeah. called Spooky or something or other that was being given away free, but I was a little leery of that. And so I am I was wondering if you sell them. Uh, yeah, there's only, there's only two brands that I would, that I would put my name behind. Mm -hmm. um, oh, can I mention them on this? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so the True Rife brand, um, we use that, and the GB4000, we use that. So those are the only two that I would really recommend. And, and if a person comes to us and they have any other kind and they say, can you use this? I say, no, well, you need to get one of these two. Mm -hmm. um, the the GB4000 has benefits over the True Rife and then it has more power. The True Rife has more has benefits over the GB4000, and that it's much easier to program and get very specific with it, um, and it's much more user friendly, uh, and it's much more durable too. Um, it's just they just don't break down as much. So there's benefits to both. They're both good machines. They're both good technology. Uh, uh, and do we sell them? Yes and no. We do sell programmed rifes for people, but if a person's like, I just want a rife to use for my family, then we then we just tell them to go to the company mm -hmm. and buy them. If they want it specifically programmed for their problem, then yes, we do that. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and that's that's that that's probably the number one reason why people seek us out uh, is is our historical use of the Rife machine. So we have patients from literally around the world because of that. So we've shipped Rifes into uh, many, many other countries um, trying to help people in with, mm -hmm. typically with cancer or Lyme disease. It's mm -hmm. Rife is a great tool to help your cells, health of your cells, the health of living things, 
to help kill viruses or bacteria or funguses, to help kill cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not the tool if, let's say, if I have my main problem is mercury toxicity, I would pick chelation therapy or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rife is not really the tool for that, but uh, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a tool and it has to be used properly. It's not a magic wand. Mm-hmm. A lot of so people, it has to be programmed properly, too. Yeah, a lot of people on Facebook are interested in that and the right machine. And also there is a group that I was invited to join, and so I recently joined it, and it's all that's all they do is talk about the right machine. I don't have a lot of free time to get there to, you know, check yeah. out very much, but I've it's something I've been interested in for a long time. It's the same as the Beamer, and we'll get to that with the PEMF shortly. But the Beamer was something I had wanted for a long time, and then I broke down two years ago and got the Beamer, and I used okay. it. So that uh, is helpful. Then you use other interventions like the hyperbaric oxygen therapy, the uh, hypothermia, the PEMF, therapy, uh, light beam generator, SEQEX therapy, and others. And I wasn't familiar with the light beam and the Sequex CZX therapy. Can you? So the Sequex, the Sequex is equivalent to the Beamer. Oh, it's a low, it's a low frequency PEMF. Oh. So it's very similar to the Beamer. The only the advantage that the Sequix has over the Beamer is that you can program it uh-huh. specifically for specific frequencies. Um, uh, that's the only advantage. But otherwise, it's almost identical as far as the Gauss output of the Beamer. Oh, oh, oh. The light beam generator is another form of Rife. Uh, but it's set it's set frequencies that you can't program. Mm-hmm. So it's only set on a human body frequency. So that would be more beneficial for lymphatic detoxification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to help get lymph moving, that's what the, the light beam generator would be good for. Uh, if somebody was said, oh, I have cancer, I'm thinking of buying a light beam generator, should I? Mm, I'd spend, I'd pick, uh, that would not be my first pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it, it has some ben- has benefits to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the PEMF that we use is uh, a pulse brand, which is a high frequency uh, PEMF, uh, high impulse PEMF. It's very strong. Uh, it has advantages over the Beamer and Sequics for certain things. Mm-hmm. They're just really different tools, and you'd kind of use them a little bit differently depending on what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Dr. Vickers at uh, the Gerson uh, Clinic in Mexico uses the Beamer. So the the low the Beamer, like the Sequics, I think the advantage of that. The PMF isn't going to kill cancer cells, but it helps helps rejuvenate your own cells, helps uh, open up your cell membranes, it helps detoxification. Um, and the, one of the biggest benefits of the PMF, it helps bring cell membrane charge back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something you can measure. 
uh, with different instrumentation to see uh, what your cell charge is at. Um, and you see people that are, you know, more ill have a much lower cell charge. And PEMF is really essential in help boosting that, helping cell membrane health. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned detoxing, which is another important aspect. Can you tell us then about uh, your detoxing a part of the protocol? So, you know, whenever you make any lifestyle change, I mean, detoxing is something your body is doing constantly or you'll be dead. So your liver is, is that's what it, the main purpose of your liver is helping clean out poisons from your blood and your kidneys as well. So um, it's those pathways that can become overwhelmed that then decrease my, my rate of detoxification. I always say that... Um, your toxic load is really your your level of toxic burden, how many toxins you're exposed to, either breathing them in or eating them or or putting them on your skin, minus how your your level of detoxification, your rate of detoxification. So if you're not if your rate of detoxification is not exceeding your toxic load, then you're mm -hmm. Uh, then you're going to have a toxic burden. These toxins are going to have to settle somewhere. They're going to have, they, they won't stay in your blood or you'll be poisoned, so they'll be pushed to your extracellular spaces or within the cells themselves, and that's when they could cause problems. So you want to support the detoxification pathway starting at the end point. So you, in your liver, you have phase one, phase two, phase 2.5, and phase three of how you get rid of poison. So you want to support all those phases. And then to get more specific, when you look at a person's genetics, you want to support the pathways that you have that you have defects on. Mm -hmm. the, let's say, for instance, the cytochrome P450 pathway, or the PON1 pathway, or the NAT pathway. If I have defects, a lot of defects in my PON1 pathway, I want to use specific that specific nutrition that has, you know, some research data that will support the PON1 pathway. Mm -hmm. uh, or I'm not going to, if I pull stuff out of my cells and it circulates back into my bloodstream and I can't get it out of my liver, well, I could make myself more sick mm -hmm. than I was before. So you want to start, you know, at the drain point, you could say. Mm-hmm. And uh, the drain point can even be further down. If a person's constipated, they're going to be reabsorbing those toxins. So you got to make sure their bowel habits are up to snuff, using coffee enemas if you have to, to help the liver and help with the constipation issues, supporting those specific genetic pathways, supporting phase 1, 2, 2.5, and 3, um, and then start helping support cellular detoxification uh, and that's where the rife can come in that's where the beamer type machines can come in uh, to help with cellular detoxification as well do you advocate the uh, sauna at all sauna oh absolutely because the sauna helps um uh you know bypass the liver and kidney basically because you're using the skin mm -hmm. as your portal of detoxification so excellent you know, we, we really push people to sauna if they can. Um, 
uh, and uh, you know, it just it just takes one more pressure off of your liver for sure. You mentioned earlier about different ways that you diagnose, and and you mentioned it almost was like uh, an approach of guidance that you receive. And I love that you include the spiritual aspects because I believe that the holistic approach is the approach that will prevent recurrences. So can you tell us about uh, this aspect of care that you incorporate, the spiritual aspect? Well, regardless of a person's faith, and we're not you know, purposely trying to proselytize anybody to our, my Christian belief, mm -hmm. but you have to have um, a level of desire to get better. And you have to also, I just think with, with any disease process, okay, so I have a diagnosis of cancer, you have to be introspective enough to go, huh, is it something in my psyche that was at least a part of this, part of the cause? Um, was it, you know, repressed thoughts or suppressed, um, you know, mm. uh, past trauma? Is it current uh, emotional stress that I'm dealing with? You have, you have to ask those those tough questions of yourself and be introspective enough to to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to get into a healthier place. And from a, from our Christian belief, I believe you need to ask God those things. Mm -hmm. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, you know, like the Bible says, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, please tell me, show me. Because sometimes our flesh could easily cover it up, you know, in a lot of ways. So we need, we need guidance to have that... Um, be uncovered. And that's the benefit of honest friends and, and a multitude of counselors around you that could maybe reveal things in you that you don't see yourself. Uh, so being introspective, I think, is important. But also um, on that same side, be careful not to be too introspective. We can easily go into into uh, the blame game where we blame ourselves and and kind of beat ourselves up as well and that you know depending on your personality type that could be the problem right there too so um, and then, then the other big thing that we try to share with our patients is is um, most people when they get a serious diagnosis um, they go through different phases of grief you could say mm -hmm. uh, and it, you, I really believe doing this for as many years as we've done this with as many patients as we've had, the ones that can get to the point of, well, this is a blessing too, uh, uh, and, and, and that praise God for my cancer, because if it wasn't for my cancer, I wouldn't look at life the way I'm looking at it right now. I wouldn't value every sunrise. I wouldn't enjoy my grandkids the way I'm enjoying them right now. I wouldn't, uh, and on and on and on like that. I think, the, at least historically in my practice, the people that get to the point where they're not mad at the cancer anymore, angry at, you know, you see these bumper stickers that say cancer sucks or mm -hmm. worse than that language. Um, 
I know you have to kind of go through that, maybe. Uh, but I think you have to come out the other side of that mm-hmm. and go, there was a purpose in this too. And and I can see the good in this as well. And um, those are the people that we've seen do the best mm-hmm. um, and have the best quality of life through their cancer as well. Mm-hmm. Um because if you're just going to be angry and bitter because you have cancer and die in that state, I don't think that was good for anybody. So um, I think that's important. Uh, so we try to encourage people. To, everybody's got to walk their own walk through that, but we really try to encourage people through that. I uh, know exactly what you're talking about because I went through the same process and came out yeah. the other side. Uh, much more positive, much more optimistic, grateful, et cetera, et cetera. And that's partly where I got interested in the holistic approach. But prior to that, I had worked with the Edgar Casey readings and uh-huh. friends with the Casey family and used to volunteer as the nurse for camp because I was teaching at the university and I was off summer. So I go to the camp uh, and uh, I got to know a lot of the Casey readings, but the research now, again, is showing so much like being positive, being optimistic. There's a big thing on gratitude. There's a big thing on forgiveness. And one thing that I found when I was researching my last book was that some of the research shows the effect of the attitude and uh, of forgiveness on the body because uh, the research now shows that it causes chronic anxiety and leads to a depletion of the killer cells. So you're less able to fight. And 60% of all cancer patients have a problem with forgiveness. Another one is optimism that affects, I think, if I remember right, it's the CA125 protein that is one of the markers for ovarian cancer. It affects that. Uh, And colon cancer as well. And so the research is beginning to come out showing how, you know, the spiritual, what I call spiritual, I think all of these are spiritual. I don't think it's uh, religious. I think it's non-denominational, but it's a spiritual aspects of care that has been ignored for so long. And so I was excited when I saw that you were involved in including that as part of your protocol. Yeah, I think it's essential. Then can you tell us about, are you inpatient, outpatient? Uh, what is the process? Does the patient come and stay a few days and then take things home and work and come back? Or Yeah, we have, we have a couple different programs. We, most of our patients will come here to Minnesota for two days. Uh, and, you know, some people will spend a week. Some people will spend longer. We have some, you know, variable options. We treat everybody individualistic. Mm-hmm. in that way. But most people will be here for what we call a two-day intensive where we can get most of our testing done if they want to stay longer for the therapies that we have that they maybe can't get in their area. Lots of times when people come from out of the country, they'll stay much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then they go home with a rife. And that's what makes us really different than most other clinics is they're going home with the main tools. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think you could I don't think you could be cured in three weeks at a center. Yeah. You know, I think it's mostly what you do at home. So we go you go home with the most important thing, the rife, I think. Um, and we also have a program some people just can't travel or they hate to travel. We actually have uh, staff that will come to your house. Oh. Um, so nearly every week, one of my lead practitioners is off to San Diego or mm-hmm. off to Santa Barbara or wherever and spending two to three days in that person's house doing most everything that we do in the office. They bring machinery with them. Um, and that's been a really blessing to a lot of people, too. Uh, and then they again leave the Rife machine, and they we still do most of the testing and such. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we have people that choose that. That's a little bit more expensive because the cost of us move coming there. But um, it's whatever works. Sometimes it's better to get out of your environment and come someplace else to get a fresh start. Uh, sometimes it's hard for people to travel, and they're too ill to travel too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you include the family in some of this? Oh, you have to. Oh, good. So that's <laughs> that's absolutely essential because you need that support system. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and sadly, you talk about the spiritual side. Sometimes it's the lack of that support system or the lack of support of their support system mm-hmm. that can often be, you know, a piece of the cause of the person's illness. Um, so, you know, sometimes our role morphs into trying to help counsel family in how to be the best support for the patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, the family has to be a part of that caregiving process. I think it's healthy for them as well to learn how to best help somebody else. There can be a healing process in that, too. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I know uh, I took a group of students to the University of West of uh, England in Bristol. This was back in the 90s. And we went to a cancer center where they brought the families there for a week, I think it was, and oriented the families to everything that they were providing with the patient. And that was the first time I had seen that in operation and I thought it was a wonderful idea yes then is there anything else you'd like to say before we look at uh, any services products books your website and so forth uh, it was just that we you know try to have um, you know I feel like what we do is a ministry um, we have to charge for our service because I have staff to pay and bills to pay mm-hmm. but our information, we try to give as much away as possible. We offer, um, I offer my book as a free download. I offer, you know, we have probably 400 videos on YouTube. Um, we have 300 plus, maybe 400 blog pages uh, with valuable information, and lots of them with videos on them, hundreds of pages of um, website and other books on Lyme and autoimmune disease as well that are mostly free downloads as well. So we try to encourage people. We get people that 
many times will call us and they're living on $700 a month Social Security. They don't have money for anything. We just try to at least get on our newsletter list. Mm -hmm. It'll give you a bunch of self-help. Download our book for self-help things you can do. Um, there's so much you can do by just changing your outlook and attitude and, and perspective of life mm -hmm. in, uh, in dealing with any serious disease. So, mm -hmm. Well, uh, yeah, if you can also tell us your website. Sure, it's Connors Clinic, C-O-N-N-E-R-S Clinic, Connors Clinic, uh, com, or you go to Connors Clinic uh, slash books, where you could download our book for free. But on our website, you'll see the links to the books. You'll see just a bunch of information on on everything that we spoke about today. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like to make videos because, uh, you know, I guess if I had another life to live, I'd be a teacher. I like to teach. <laughs> so um, I like to just try, you know, if I feel like I go to a seminar and I learn something, I think, well, how can I teach other people that? So mm -hmm. they can be helped by this too. So. Uh, we try to, anything I learn to pass it on, I just feel like that's my role and my obligation. So um, stay tuned with us and, and keep up with our newsletters to learn as much as you possibly can. Just like with your podcast like this, it's fantastic for people. And that's a wonderful role to play, Dr. Connors. I, I, I admire that very much. And I appreciate so much you taking the time to talk with me because it's good to know what's going on out in the real world. You know, right. the listeners are very interested in this. And some of them, um, you know, I get a lot of people that come to the podcast from other countries where they don't have quite the advantages that we do. And so yeah. they try to make do with what they have. So I appreciate this very much and uh, I hope to talk with you again in the future and see what updates you have oh thank you Dr. Carl appreciate all you do and how much you've spent a whole lifetime helping people thank you <laughs>